America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day to look at some great news, right, for Republicans. What is the great news? Have they figured out how to uh, select a speaker yet? No, not yet. Apparently the plan is uh, they just did the eighth round of voting. And the round eight results actually shockingly different from all the prior results. 201 votes for Kevin McCarthy's gotten as high as 203. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, 212 votes. He's gotten that all eight times. And nobody at the 218 that you need to be elected speaker. So where are you going and what am I talking about, about great news for Republicans? There's an analysis in the Wall Street Journal that says that uh, for the U.S. Senate, for several reasons, 2024 should be a great year for Republicans. Okay, I know that's two years away. And maybe by that time, there will be a Speaker of the House. And uh, could it possibly be a Republican? Uh, one of the names in this uh, battle that has been put forward, and it's a name that we haven't heard too much this week so far, but uh, Matt Gates in round seven uh, got a few gasps from the audience because he actually voted for President Trump to be Speaker of the House. And this might actually be linked, not in Matt Gates's mind, because there is no mind there. Uh, the uh, Matt Gates nominated President Trump maybe because they had an editorial today in the Wall Street Journal that was powerful about how nobody would want the job as Speaker. I mean, honest to God, especially with the compromises that they reached last night that were supposed to sway up to 10 members of the rebels without a cause. Uh, and one of the compromises they made was allowing uh, one member of the House, one, anyone, could be uh, Rashida Tlaib. It could be Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It could be Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene, who, by the way, has been sounding like the voice of sanity a little bit, at least among some of her fellow uh, very hard-right Republicans. Uh, but uh, the agreement that, that McCarthy reached is that if he is allowed to become speaker by the recalcitrant rebels, if that happens then during the time that he's speaker, all it would take would be one vote to begin the process of vacating the chair of basically voting him out as speaker. It was this uh, sort of procedure that cut short the speakership of John Boehner, who I think looks much better in retrospect than he did to many people. Uh, what What is is going on here? And how is it that, that people are assuming that the American people are are liking this particular performance. Uh, 1-800-955-1776, our phone number. The most recent results from round eight, Hakeem Jeffries, 212, Kevin McCarthy, 201, Byron Donalds, uh, 17. He now has made a name for himself, but not necessarily in a good way. Because given the fact that he voted for McCarthy in the first two rounds, and he did, uh, he's voting for himself now. And because he was able to see that this is a, a 
something for a a freshman congressman. He is uh, uh, going into his second term, just completed his first term, that he suddenly has become a celebrity. There were others, including that vote, Matt Gates for uh, a familiar name. By the way, that sounded like this, and it was fairly dramatic. That was back in the seventh round, uh, inconclusive round. This is like a soccer game. You know what? It's really, this is why I don't like soccer, because they play and play and play, and nobody scores. There's no scoring. You know, you uh, oh, final score, two to nil or one to nil, or what's going to be decided by penalty kicks. Should there be some penalty kicks here? And where exactly should they kick them? Uh, Matt Gates casting his uh, vote for a familiar name during round seven. It sounded like this, clip one. Gates. Trump. Uh, yep, so that registered. And, and again, it's, it's legal. He can become speaker which would get him to replace uh, Patty Murray, the senator from Washington, who at least temporarily, while the House is totally paralyzed as it is, they can't do anything. They can't even be sworn in. These are all even not representatives right now. They're representatives elect. Uh, That's what you call them. And what's remarkable is they can't be sworn in. They can't do anything. Uh, Adam Smith, friend of this show, the uh, outgoing chair of the House Armed Services Committee, uh, spoke this morning about the dangers to national security with all of this. In other words, uh, fortunately, uh, Vladimir Putin seems to have his business uh, preoccupied with just dealing with the very formidable Ukrainian army and the formidable Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky. But... Uh, honestly, imagine if America were attacked and you actually needed some emergency action here. And yes, that would have to be held out until Chip Roy and uh, uh, Lauren Boebert and the others uh, sort of reconcile themselves to figuring out a speaker they could vote for. She said she couldn't vote for Steve Scalise. She ruled that out. Uh, uh, John James, who is one of the best new members of Congress, brand new member, who may get a chance to serve if they ever figure this thing out, he's uh, from Michigan, and he's a former highly decorated Army officer. He's African-American, and he actually stood up as a freshman to nominate uh, Kevin McCarthy ahead of the seventh failed vote to make him speaker And a congressman-elect, John James, sounded like this. This is clip 10A. My family's gone from slave to the floor of United States House of Representatives being the first member of his freshman class to speak in a series of five generations. My family has gone from slave to right here since 1856. My father and mother born in the 1940s and 1950s in the Jim Crow South, and my dad lived directly across the street from a school he couldn't go to because he was black. He started, a business, he started a business with one truck, one trailer, no excuses, with the help of his wife, and now his son stands here on the precipice of taking back the majority for the American people and taking this nation in the right direction. Yeah.
And then he talks about some of the substantive issues he wants to work on. Listen. We will end the growth of government and we will stop 87,000 new IRS agents from picking through your pocketbooks. We will secure our energy independence. We will ban the sale of petroleum from our strategic reserves to China. We'll establish a bipartisan select committee specifically to keep our eye on the ball in China. We'll address the crisis at the border that's killing Americans by the day and improve both our safety and our nation and our dignity for those who come here in search of a better life. But not yet. We're still stuck at the starting block. The American people have told us by putting a Republican majority here that they want Republicans to lead and they want a government that works and doesn't embarrass them. And we are failing on both missions. That must change today. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin said, we must hang together or we must assuredly hang separate. We're stuck in a malaise, at an impasse, and we will stay here. We will not be able to fight the real conservative fights until we find a way to come together and fight that mission together. Yesterday, we experienced very briefly. Uh, well, they experienced very briefly some agreement, which was agreement on uh, adjourning uh, and uh, maybe allowing negotiations to proceed. Where do they go for the ninth round? We'll talk about that and more on The Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, later on, we'll get to some um, hard-hitting predictions, not by me, but by Carl Rove, of what's going to happen in 2023. He first reviews the predictions he made about 2022, which were over 70% correct. And these include predictions about Oscars and Super Bowls, and uh, much more. We will get to that. We'll also be speaking with Myra Adams, a columnist who says, hey, with everything else going on, it's time for uh, two potential candidates for president to drop out. No, she's not talking about Trump and Biden, who would be great to drop out. She's uh, uh, actually, well, well, we'll get to that with Myra Adams coming up. And we'll also be speaking with Jonathan Allen of NBC, which uh, has been giving uh, somewhat eager coverage of uh, the drama on Capitol Hill. I, I can't believe they, they've already finished an eighth round and with, with virtually no change. Uh, this is not one of those rituals of democracy that is inspiring people. By the way, if it's inspiring you, if you are one of those people, and there must be folks out there who think this is just great and this is really healthy for our republic and it's healthy for our party, uh, if you believe that to be true, uh, you can uh, give us a call. Uh, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, Dan Crenshaw 
is uh, one of those members of Congress. Again, uh, a war hero, Navy SEAL, brilliant guy. And I think one of the future leaders of the Republican Party, I certainly hope so. Uh, but he um, is pretty direct. He was on uh, Guy Benson's radio show, and he said uh, this about the 20 Republicans who seem to be irreconcilables. They simply cannot be compromised away from their opposition to Kevin McCarthy. Here's Dan Crenshaw on those uh, rebels without a cause. Listen. Get another scalp, get another scalp, whether it's whether it's Boehner or Paul Ryan or then McCarthy, Scalise would just be next and we all know it. We just can't allow that to happen. That's why those of us are saying, like, look, you pushed us into this corner, so now we're now we're saying we won't vote for anyone but McCarthy. That's why we're saying it, because we cannot let the terrorists win. That, that's basically what's happening. Okay, and uh, more from uh, Dan Crenshaw as he actually calls out some of his colleagues by name and has some, uh, it seems to me, appropriately harsh comments. Uh, listen. You keep coming up with the more and more ridiculous reasons. I love bringing up the uh, example of Bob Good because I think he's one of the worst members of our caucus. This is an absolute dud. But he literally got up and he was mad at McCarthy because McCarthy took three weeks to call him after his election. Can you believe that? McCarthy, by the way, spent about $2 million to get that loser elected because he couldn't get elected on his own. You know, Lauren Boebert, who just insulted Donald Trump, <laughs> just because Trump's supporting McCarthy, I mean, she barely won her election. McCarthy spent a bunch of money on her because she's not good enough to win in an R plus six or seven or whatever that is. You know, these members contribute nothing, nothing to our majority. They contribute nothing to the conservative movement. They don't write bills. They don't think about policy. They don't even know who Thomas Sowell is. They've never read anything about conservative philosophy or thought. They have no opinions on how to fix Social Security or the budget. Uh, tell us what you really think, Dan. I, I, by the way, again, when you watch this process, how is he not right about this? About the destructiveness of what this does? I, by the way, you can... Just think about the TV commercials that they are going to use against members of the House and including members of the House who are on the other side, on all sides. The spectacle of uh, this taking an entire week and now they're talking about, well, they're going to take a break, may not have session tomorrow. Uh, we will continue to go without a speaker, without a functioning House of Representatives, because they can't do anything while they do all this. And, uh, and, and basically, uh, visualize the TV ads for 2024. I told you that there was some good news. We can get to that right away. The uh, Wall Street Journal has a piece by Eliza Collins and Aaron Zittner, and the headline, Senate map leans Republican. In 2024, in 2024 in the Senate, Democrats and independents who caucus with them are expected to defend 23 seats compared with 11 for Republicans. So even if Republicans lose half their seats and Democrats lose half their seats, 
that still means the Republicans achieve a major majority because they have uh, so many fewer seats that are carry so many more seats that are carryovers from this time and from the time before. Uh, increasingly, voters are making Senate choices that align with their presidential election choices, and every GOP Senate seat on the ballot in 2024 is in a state that was won by uh, Donald Trump in 2020 by at least three percentage points, not the close states for Trump. Uh, the three of the Senate seats that Democrats are defending are in Republican-dominated states, uh, Mr. Trump won West Virginia by 39 percentage points in 2020. He won Montana by 16 points, and he won Ohio by 8 points. And all of those states have incumbent Democrats who have to defend uh, their seats in a very hostile environment. The uh, 2024 election includes a presidential race, which means the fate of Senate candidates will be intertwined with that of their party's nominee. Now, of course... That's one of many, many reasons it's very important to get a, a new Senate, a new presidential candidate who uh, breaks out of the stranglehold of uh, Trump and Biden on our politics. And uh, again, there, there's no question that uh, in terms of what's happened with President Trump in uh, dealing with this Kevin McCarthy. He calls him my Kevin or our Kevin. And uh, even though Trump has been increasingly direct in terms of uh, supporting uh, Kevin McCarthy for speaker, it's very clear that he doesn't control the party. He doesn't even control the votes of this 20 members who uh, are against McCarthy. Lauren Boebert described Trump as her favorite president, but she doesn't want to follow his advice. He wants Trump to ask McCarthy to withdraw, which he won't. The Senate maps GOP tilt is shaped in large part by a trend that has become increasingly powerful in recent years. What is it? We'll tell you. Coming up on the Medved Show. Medved. like the uh, ninth inning is underway. Uh, the ninth vote by the uh, Congress of the United States, the House of Representatives of the United States. Uh, usually you don't have to go to extra innings, but it's almost a sure thing in this particular game. Uh, Scott Perry of uh, Pennsylvania, a uh, very hardline member, not just of the uh, a freedom caucus, but uh, of the defenders of uh, the activities on January 1st, January 6th, 2001. He is uh, speaking, uh, nominating uh, four speaker, Congressman Donalds of Florida, who got 17 votes of the 218 he would need to win uh, just last time. 
we'll go to your calls in just a moment. I uh, just wanted to finish on this idea of uh, the trend. The uh, Senate maps GOP tilt, writes the Wall Street Journal, is shaped in large part by a trend that has become increasingly powerful in recent years. Voters who favor one party don't often cross the partisan lines to back a candidate from the other party. As recently as 2006, about a third of the Senate races were won by candidates of a party different from that of their state's most recent presidential pick, compared with only one race out of 34 in 2022. That was um, data collected by the Pew Research Center. Uh, Back in the day, people would say, okay, I vote this way in the presidential campaign, but I really like this guy for the senator. This guy has been my representative for a long time, and I'll vote for him, though he's from the other party, said Drew DeSilver, who gathered the data for Pew Research. Increasingly, that's not the case. It's a straight party vote. Uh, So that what that indicates is that if this spectacle on Capitol Hill is hurting the Republicans in the House of Representatives, it's also probably going to hurt the Republican presidential nominee, whoever it happens to be. Because what does he say about this? Uh, Mark in Long Beach, California, you're on the Michael Medved Show. I'm here. You're on. You're doing wonderful. Thank you. Yes, sir. Listen. I am dying to hear what you are going to think when I'm going to tell you, because I told it to another radio host, and he says, you know what? It's a good idea. I know how this whole fiasco could end in five minutes. You take, there are 213 Democrats, 222 Republicans. You take five moderate Republicans, probably from the East Coast or the West, not from the South, and you walk up to the Republican colleagues, and you tell them, we've had it. You either put Kevin McCarthy in, or the five of us are going to join and put in Hakeem Jeffries. I guarantee you it will be over in five minutes. Uh, I'm not sure. And uh, and by the way, I'll tell you the main reason, Mark, and I, I, I do think there are unquestionably people there in the House who are thinking right along the lines that you're thinking in Long Beach, California. But uh, the reason that in the last analysis they won't do that is because they would be seen to be even more traitors than the people who are holding up Kevin McCarthy. And then you're giving back the very hard work and the great amounts of money that were spent by the Republicans to get this very slender majority so they could maybe do something, maybe put some brakes on the Biden administration. And uh, I think it'd be very tough for any uh, Republican member of the House to go ahead and say, look, I'm, I'm tired of this, therefore I'm, I'm going over to install Hakeem Jeffries. But I do want to tell you something. I think one of the reasons that uh, you've gotten a good response to your suggestion is Hakeem Jeffries has been playing this as cool as a cucumber. I watched his press conference this morning together with his deputies, the deputy uh minority leader, whose name is Catherine Clark, she's from Massachusetts, and Pete Aguilar from California. 
they were very effective. And they were just basically saying they're embarrassed by this, but they can't solve it. They can't solve it for Republicans. It would be it would be easier, frankly, along the lines you're talking about to get uh, just a handful of Democrats. Five of them would do it to uh, come over and would five of them do it? No, they need more than that. Uh, because right now, right now, uh, Kevin McCarthy's at 201 votes. And so he would need 17 Democrats or recalcitrant Republicans to come over and give him the 218. But the problem with this, and it really is a very big problem, is that if you believe in majority rule, and uh, and again, Americans do, and particularly for the House of Representatives, the Senate is supposed to be the the body where there are all kinds of protections for the minority. Is something exciting happening here? Lauren, let's listen to Lauren Boebert. What she's what she talking a about? Check that said we need someone that is going to convince my colleagues on this side of the aisle that it's time to get going. It's time to build momentum. Many of you have said it. You see that Kevin McCarthy does not have the votes. You are understanding that he is not going to get there. We had the votes for him. I cannot produce those anymore. The colleagues that I brought with me to offer those 218 votes on the first ballot aren't there anymore. It is not happening. And as it's been said, we need to get to a point where we start evaluating what life after Kevin McCarthy looks like. America doesn't want more talk. And I'm going to keep my speech a little short. They want action. I'll take that. I want to get to work, too. America is tired of rhetoric, and they want results. This isn't chaos. This is a constitutional republic at work. I'm a mom of four boys. I know what chaos and dysfunction looks like. This is actually a really beautiful thing to be here with all of my colleagues debating, just as the gentleman from Montana said. We have not experienced this in the two years that we have served here in Washington, D.C. This is the most debate that has taken place, and I love it. I love the conversations that are going on on the floor, in the cloakroom, in the halls. There's nothing extreme. There's nothing unreasonable. We're trying to get this right. As my conservative colleagues and I have stated time and time again, Congress is broken and fundamentally needs change. I'm here to get this right. We need a leader that is not of the broken system, someone who is not beholden to the lobbyists, but to the people who sent us here. Someone who can unite our party. And most importantly, someone who can deliver on the promises that we have all made to the American people. I believe that there are many people on the floor today that can do just that. I voted for my friend Jim Jordan. I voted for my friend Byron Donalds. I'm voting for Kevin Hearn, the gentleman from Oklahoma. Mr. Hearn went from rags to riches. And like myself and many other members 
is a small business owner. He's lived the American dream. Kevin Hearn? Well, okay, at least she's not taking a, uh, a never-Kevin position. Just a different Kevin. We'll tell you about him coming up on the Medved Show. one 1776 The Michael Medved Show. On the Michael Medved show, they are going through the roll, which is reading out the names of all 434 members of the House and figuring out who they are going to favor. And there looks to be very little change. Uh, there, so far, the um, the uh, staring oratory by Lauren Boebert that you just heard part of, her speaking live on the floor, she had been uh, voting for Jim Jordan before. Uh, she had said she will not support Steve Scalise, who is the deputy uh, minority leader, soon to be majority leader, if they ever get this majority together. The the strange thing about Lauren Boebert is she was attempting to say that she loved this situation. She loved what's going on. It's more debate than they've ever had. What it's reminiscent of is there have been two movies recently, both excellent documentaries, that came out. The most one recent one is called Youth Governor. And it's about these high school programs they have uh, and uh, where uh, kids uh, in high school uh, go to state capitals. They have one in California. That's the one that Youth Governor, the most recent film, was about. They did a previous uh, one uh, about uh, Boys State. Uh, they have uh, uh, where it's not just boys anymore, though it used to be, where they went to Texas and Austin, they were holding in. And they pretend to be <laughs> members of Congress, kind of like this, because they're not officially members of Congress yet. Right now, they're just pretending. But basically, it's all about personality and grooming and who do you know and who's going to be elected the governor of Boy State or who's going to be the elected the governor of the youth governorship uh, program in California. And these are ambitious uh, teenagers who are looking to make a name for themselves. And, and that's what this is like. And, of course, she loves it. It's more attention than she's ever gotten. Uh, more than she got for the restaurant she ran before she got elected to Congress. And she got reelected by the narrowest margin, I believe, of all the 435 members of Congress. She had the uh, the closest race that was actually went to a required recount in Colorado. Again, somebody was given no chance against her at all. And yet came within, I think it uh, was 200 votes of actually unseating Lauren Boebert. And now she is part of that group, uh, which has provoked a lot of anger. Uh, some of it, uh, I think, entirely justified. Uh, Jonah Goldberg was uh, actually one of those people who spoke out, I think, very strongly at the blockheads, the blockading members of Congress, 
who are preventing preventing the majority rule, which is what is exactly involved here. Because uh, right now, if uh, if if you're actually looking at the number of people who in the Republican caucus who got elected to Congress who favor Kevin McCarthy, it's 90 percent. It's it's not even close. Uh, the, the closest you could come for uh, trying to calculate uh, people who oppose Kevin McCarthy on the Republican side, of course, all the Democrats do, but people who oppose him on the Republican side, it's it's 10 percent of the Republican caucus. But uh, here's Jonah Goldberg on his feelings about the anti-McCarthy holdouts. Clip two. These guys, they have this fantasy, this sort of Don Quixote fantasy that like the Nelson Rockefellers of the world are not only still alive, <laughs> but like running everything. If Kevin McCarthy, who I'm a huge critic of and is, you know, is not reliable and I understand why conservatives are, uh, dislike him and all sorts of things and why some moderates dislike him. But Kevin McCarthy would be by almost any objective measure, one of the two or three most conservative yep. Republican speakers in U.S. history, at least for the last hundred years. Paul Ryan was the most conservative speaker. This idea that being part of the establishment right. makes you a rhino squish loser is this fantasy that these guys are getting high on on their own farts and like Fox Green Rooms on. And it's nonsense. <laughs> it's just absolutely, and this is how you turn what should be a majority party into a minority party, into a rump party. I, I, and that rum party that goes along with getting high on your own gas. Um, okay, uh, really, the the idea, by the way, that uh, Paul Ryan was conservative and an effective speaker, I know that people are not supposed to believe that on talk radio, but I believe that entirely. It is because of Paul Ryan that we got one of the best achievements of the entire Trump presidency all four years which was the passage by the narrowest of margins and through the dedication of Paul Ryan of the Trump tax reform, which actually cut the top rate of business taxes, made America more con um, competitive, helped the economy, and was a long-term conservative goal, which Paul Ryan achieved. And uh, I think it's interesting. He's been very quiet about all this. And... Uh, the 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 idea that somehow uh, Kevin uh, McCarthy and Paul Ryan represent the enemies, or John Boehner represents the enemies, uh, this is is really a very destructive formula for any party's success. Uh, Trey Gowdy, another outstanding member of Congress, and he of course was a member of Congress for many terms from South Carolina. He's now on Fox News. Uh, Trey had this to say in describing on his show on Fox uh, what is going on right now as they move through their ninth, yes, it is the uh, ninth vote. Here's a Trey Gowdy. Unless you believe in minority rights in the extreme, you don't go from 20 to 218. I mean, we need, you're never going to get some of these people uh, shown. I, I mean, they live to be in opposition to Republicans. But but people watching your show need to call and say, you know what? I didn't work my tail off in November to watch y'all look like a clown show on national television. So y'all get behind Kevin. You got your motion to vacate. As it relates to President Trump, 
They love him when they need a pardon. They love him when they need attention. But when he says, Kevin's my person, all of a sudden they know better. I mean, they know better than the Republican conference. Kevin got 85% of the vote in the primary, and yet they know better. I, 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 mean, I, I can't think of anything more anti-democratic than 15% trying to dictate to the other 85% who the speaker should be. And uh, by the way, they're going into extra innings for sure. Uh, they are still counting the votes so far. Uh, Byron Donalds, uh, the gentleman from Florida, and other candidates have a total of uh, seven uh, votes. So Byron Donalds has five. Okay, that in itself guarantees that Kevin McCarthy will not make the 218. And uh, the idea uh, that uh, a lot of people are putting forward is if you surrender and Kevin McCarthy steps aside, uh, who, who would replace him? And again, Steve Scalise is unacceptable to a bunch of the people on the other side, including Lauren Boebert. And the notion of giving in on something like this, I mean, by the way, I have the uh, McCarthy concessions that were granted in the last 24 hours. And they agreed to uh, rule changes including that rule change that would allow a single member of Congress to move to vacate the chair. In a major allowance to the hard-right Republicans, McCarthy offered to lower from five to one the number of members required to sponsor a resolution to force a vote on ousting the Speaker, a change that the California Republican had previously said he would never accept. McCarthy also expressed a willingness to place more members of the staunchly conservative House Freedom Caucus on the House Rules Committee, which debates legislation before it has moved to the floor. And he relented on allowing floor votes to institute term limits on members and to enact specific border policy legislation. Uh, by the way, term limits, uh, what, what do you think the chances are that people are going to actually vote in the majority to limit their own terms? Uh, we're going to be speaking coming up next hour to Myra Adams, columnist, who says that uh, one of the problems about the upcoming presidential race is that there are simply too many candidates, including candidates who have no chance of winning, but have all but announced their campaigns. Who does she feel must drop out immediately? We will get to that. We'll also talk about the long-term political consequences here. And uh, what happens when this is all over? Do people get together and join hands and move forward? One can only hope so for the sake of this greatest nation on God's green earth.